Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 29. Welcome, guys. How's it going? Good, good. I did not buy a phone on Friday. Did you guys? Any of you? I, uh... I ordered myself a 64 gig Space Gray 6S Plus. That is a mouthful. Jeez. It is. <laughs> Say but, that three times fast. Yeah. No, don't really. <laughs> but uh, I I actually borrowed a, a 6 from someone else in the company to, just to see if if I could go down to the smaller size. And I've been spoiled by the, the, the big screen on my 6 Plus. So... I guess I'm doing the same thing, obviously. Uh, but I I was expecting to... I really enjoyed the form factor, but it, the screen was just too small. So is it the big screen that you like about the 6 Plus the most? Oh, yeah. And can you use that thing with one hand? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's some awkward tricks you have to do to, to type one-handed. Uh, like holding it in weird ways that probably makes it fall more often than not i've gone through three six pluses so (laughs) oh wow (laughs) you've dropped them or Uh, i don't even one of them really got dropped and shattered another one was like uh some type of defect i forget what it was so i only i only fully dropped one i actually no i did drop two but i got replaced (laughs) for something else i'm gonna go out on a limb and say you got apple care plus actually i did not (laughs) (laughs) they keep upping the price of both uh like the replacement cost for accidental damage and the uh, repair cost for all the other stuff. So I don't know. I figure I'm only going to have it for a year probably. So I have the one-year warranty, and if I break it, then that's my incentive to not not do that, I guess. <laughs> I, I've I figured out the right type of case and stuff to protect it and all that. So I think I'll I'll be good. Yeah, they're definitely slippery phones, and I'm sure that's not improved. Yeah. It's this new generation. Yeah, so one thing that uh looks like it's kind of annoying is at least if if you didn't get a phone, which sounds like you guys both didn't, uh if you wanna like test or develop the pop in the peak stuff, uh there's no way to test it in the simulator. So maybe that's coming, but it seems like a really crappy way to uh do it. I there's like a a forum post I saw where they're like, how do we test this? And they're like, you don't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a new revelation. I didn't. I knew that you couldn't test the force touch in the app, but I guess even not, so that includes the shortcuts on the home screen and, and pretty much everything then, right? So no force touch at all. Yeah, I. Mm. there's no way to do it, so. Uh, that's that's uh, going to make me rethink my decision. Unfortunately, there's still devices available. They they didn't sell out completely. Yeah, it's seven fifty. I was gonna put that towards an iPad Pro. Yeah, yeah, that's that was my thinking as well. I do wonder if the new pricing scheme, you know, the contract free, would that part of it's nice, but this monthly fee from the carriers or paying the full price up front, I wonder if that's going to hurt sales at all. Is that when you see that price? Can make you take a second thought about whether or not you need a new phone. Well, seven fifty up front is a lot harder to swallow than say forty bucks a month, even though it works out to about the same amount with yeah. the Apple Care and everything. 
Yeah, it zero seems like it seems like they're it seems like they're really pushing the the monthly stuff. I mean, even Apple has their own one, although I could not figure out how to to order with that the Apple version that gave me Apple Care Plus, even if I wanted to. So they need need some UX work on their uh, store app and website if they want people to do that. But yeah, I've heard that if you do that option, do you still have to go to the store and pick up your phone or something like that? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe they need to run a credit check on you or something there. Or no idea. That's weird, huh? It is alone, but then again, you can buy the laptops with uh was it 18 months financing or something yeah they had like two different financing options but not the specific ones that they mentioned on like the keynote that included the free apple care plus hmm. so okay well maybe if i win the apple tv lottery then i'll put some of that money towards a new phone we'll you'll see. feel like you saved some money from that <laughs> nice yeah. <laughs> yeah but they'll probably somehow put a time bomb on that one dollar apple tv <laughs> if you do win it so it's useless in october nah they won't do that it'll no. probably be the 32 gig or whatever lower mo- lower end model well there's actually we can well maybe we'll get to this later but there's some limitations that makes me think that you don't even need the bigger model but yeah yeah we'll talk about that later on in the show here but yeah so i don't know it's gonna make me think a little harder about having that iphone 6s around i got the 6 it's perfectly fine i'm happy with it and maybe i can come up with a compelling reason because of the testing of the force touch yeah at work we're having an issue with the with the gm and it's crashing because of the force touch our app at work so and i can't even recreate that issue in another uh app so not really sure what's going on there we're we're in contact with apple we've got a radar we've got a contact in the app store and did you use a dts ticket well no because that is supposedly only for released software oh yeah yeah we actually used one recently for uh doing some stuff for ipv6 support but we were like oh we're trying to do ipv6 on ios 8 because it's the same (laughs) even though they're like it's part of ios 9 submission requirement uh later on you have to support ipv6 (laughs) yeah so i mean we've we're big enough the client i'm at it's big enough that they've got contacts within apple so well you can always like contact the evangelist like we just got essentially we use one of our you know free free ones or whatever but you just get an email with one of the guys who's listed at the end of whatever session you're you're doing Uh, something related to so yeah they're always actually soliciting feedback and yeah contact info well uh speaking of mind-boggling things it's been a while since we've had any videos from realm io to talk about but i i saw one a week ago that I thought was kind of interesting. There's this this video uh, by day, by a guy named uh, Sam Giddens, and it he has this video about building a we'll call it a B, the a BF interpreter in Swift, uh, the wonderful language called uh, BF. If you're not familiar with it, just go ahead and Google BF language and and you'll find it. Uh, but basically, it's this 
this language in, intended to like be in, insane. There's only like four or five characters in the language, but it's a Turing complete language, and it's one of those things that you just do for like a, a challenge. Um, yeah. So let's let's real quick say what BF is, and we'll still maintain our parental friendly label. <laughs> <laughs> so the B is brain, and the the F is a little bit something that would gain us the explicit tag so we're not going to say that one but uh i'm sure most of our listeners can figure that one but yeah and it's a pretty crazy language right yeah what eight different symbols eight okay that sounds right that's it yeah so but it's turing complete right you've got loops you've got jumps if state if statement kinds of things not that it actually says if but yeah it's a branching mechanism. And the reason we're talking about it is is because uh, someone built a uh, interpreter for it in Swift, of course. So now if you'd like to, you know, have your your iPhone app that that maybe you, run, you just run for yourself that you can write some BF in, you're, <laughs> go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could probably do that pretty well with a symbol keyboard. Yeah, uh, on the iPhone. <laughs> custom keyboard. <laughs> oh this, yeah, there this you go. awesome interpreter. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the way to go. Um, I would just probably would not let it uh, on the App Store because, well, actually, you know what? As long as you're not downloading code, you probably could still put this on the App Store. So if someone's looking for an app idea, <laughs> the uh, do your your BF in, interpreter. Yeah, there's a Python interpreter. Yeah, on the App Store, and I guess. It's a full-blown Python interpreter, and you can type your Python scripts into it. Now, I guess it doesn't include the capability of downloading new scripts, but yeah, it's a it's pretty full full-on interpreter, full-on environment to experiment with. So, yeah, you could build something like this, I guess. It's funny. I saw there is a hack for I don't know if it was the same the Python editor that you're talking about, but basically there is a Python Dropbox client that if you can get that onto your device then you can sync <laughs> with your dropbox folder and do all kinds of crazy stuff with python <laughs> well even if you could get it into um icloud right icloud drive yeah just open it up from there i don't know if that in, that program supports it but sure it wouldn't be that hard to add well i'm guessing they would not let it uh past app review because they they actually had like native Dropbox integration at one point, but they had to remove it because it was still downloading code. Oh, okay. Also, that was a a fun little aside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did find it interesting that he said that Swift really wasn't a great language choice for making an interpreter. Um, he said a lot of times it was spent doing retain release on things underneath the hood when it's you know, interpreting the instructions and that just made it slow so i guess you'd really want to drop down to something that was a little bit lower level for that like a c level language yeah but still an interesting definitely an interesting exercise and did he have the code on github or something somewhere um i'm not sure I mean, it would definitely be interesting to check it out he said that he went through that exercise as just part of a test to do some other things that will actually be valid and apply to his life. I kind of took that as maybe implementing some kind of stored procedure language for Realm. Okay. Possibly. Possibly. He didn't say anything. 
I could see that. Happening. Oh no, you're starting the rumor mill, the realm rumor mill, <laughs> yep. Sam. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not seeing, not seeing any link to it in the presentation. But if we can find it, if we can hunt it down, we'll put it in the show notes. Well, enough of uh, esoteric languages and app store restrictions. Let's talk about something that more people will actually care about, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I know one thing we've wanted to talk about for a while is is kind of, you know, we've got iOS 9 coming out. We've talked a little bit about, you know, what, what APIs are probably gives you a good bang for your buck on iOS 9. But, like, why why do users care about iOS 9? Why are they updating other than they're getting a, a new device that comes with it on it? Thoughts, gentlemen? <laughs> I don't know. I see people still running iOS 6 all the time. <laughs> Will users care? I don't well, know. we should. I, I think when it comes to the iPad, it's probably an easier argument to go to iOS 9 because we get things like split-screen, multitasking, picture-in-picture. Picture. So it, I think it's a little bit more compelling there. On on your phone, I, I think most of it's centered around improvements with Siri and search and the phone understanding your behavior and schedule better. Yeah. Does it feel a little creepy sometimes? Like yeah. Like you pull out of your driveway and it's like, hey, you've got 29 minutes to go to work. Yeah. Traffic, yeah. Traffic is normal. And I've just recently started noticing that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does throw me off a little bit. I guess it doesn't bother me as much because I've played around with the Android devices some. And yeah, I've seen similar stuff. So it's not like, oh, my gosh, they're tracking me and stuff. <laughs> They're watching my shoulder. It's Big more brother. been convenient. Like, oh, you plugged in this Bluetooth device. I'll let you open the Audible app from the little quick launch thing and the multitasking launcher. That's very convenient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And with Apple, you know, that data staying on the phone. It's not going up to the server and being mined and leveraged for advertising or other mean, other purposes, which actually makes... Makes it more difficult for Apple to make those kind of intuitive leaps because they've yeah. got less to work with and, and they're doing it on the device as opposed to a data center. Do you think that's a bit of spin, though? Like maybe Apple just hasn't gotten to that level yet where they can do that on the server. And so they're like, oh, hey, Google, you guys suck because you're doing it on the server and selling everybody's data and we're not. Hmm. When it, really it's just they're not technically there yet. I'm, yeah, I would be scared if Apple tried to do that because I think yeah. they, <laughs> bad things would happen. Yeah, well, it, it's not really their business model to sell data. I mean, they sell software and hardware, and they do that really well, and they don't necessarily have any reason to, to sell data. Right, but well, they but, also try to sell Internet services. Yeah, and that they don't typically do a stellar job with. I mean, right. you could argue that the kind of the user experience is worse off because they don't do some of this stuff server side and, you know, aggregate it for people to get useful results for everyone. And you're limited to just, you know, the stuff that's on your device. Right. I mean, yeah, their their artificial intelligence and data mining is definitely going to be held back because of the decisions they've made. And they might very well change their mind. And decide it's better for the user if they if they do start bringing it up and aggregating it and correlating it with other sources. 
because Google's pulling in data from everywhere. I mean, even retailers. I mean, we know this from firsthand experience. Retailers not only mine the data they have, but they pay third parties for their data and, and correlate that to better understand their their customers. Yeah. So and I do like the idea of my data staying on my device rather than somebody's cloud and being sold to the highest bidder. I just don't I don't personally know if that in itself is going to be compelling enough to convince somebody to upgrade to iOS nine for their phone. Probably not. It's usually about the apps, right? And most of the big apps are still gonna be supporting eight. They're not gonna switch over. Although I did hear that Marco Arman with Overcast, he's going to make it nine only almost on day one when nine comes out. Yeah, I think he was saying that, that all his users are going to be on that anyways. And if not, then you just use the old app. No big deal. True. I guess the other argument for iOS nine is the focus on stability and quality. And I don't know if I've got enough experience with nine yet to say that it is more stable or higher quality than eight was. Yeah, it's hard to say just having run all the betas because they're obviously not going to be high quality. But yeah, maybe I guess it seems like it's been fairly stable so far with it from the GM and so on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, definitely the earlier betas were kind of rough, although app wise, they weren't crashing very much. Yeah, the phone itself was rough here and there, but. I'll tell you, like the the eight o days, those were rough. Yeah, those were bad. Eight o days. I mean, that was definitely a beta. It was just like the sixth beta or something. Yeah, I mean, and there are some other like user features for for phone users. I mean, I'm looking forward to all of the apps implementing Safari View Controller, uh, but I know probably a lot of them won't, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which will make me very angry. But there's there's some apps in the App Store that have already implemented it, actually. Really? I think uh, Twitterific has it in there uh, right now. They basically just do the, you know, check for class exists uh, and build with iOS 8 SDK, and that works. And they let it through. So maybe good info for when iOS 10 comes out and you want to try out some of those APIs. I don't know. Maybe just don't make too big of a ruckus about it. Yeah. And they'll let it through. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you one reason to maybe go up to iOS 9.1. I just sent you to a text message. Which of you did not see a question mark? It showed up as a question mark for me. Okay, you're running a non-9.1 phone. Yeah, I got the question mark too. I know exactly what it is. But... <laughs> All right, so... Uh, it's a, it's a... It's the middle finger emoji. There's some other fun emojis it could have been too, but... Yeah, I think that's the big one that all the... The kids will want to upgrade for. Yeah, probably. Nothing personal, guys. Just purely demonstration. Yeah, I don't know if I can continue doing this podcast with you, Sam. <laughs> I might have to take a break next week. There's also a, a taco emoji, a lion emoji, some like eye-rolling emoji. So right. there's other good stuff. That would be a good response for you. What's the taco emoji about? I see that bandied about occasionally, at least in Slack. What, what do you mean? What's it about? It's a taco. Yeah, but I think it's just the fact that it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> just a taco. Okay. <laughs> it's like if you have to ask, you're too old to to know. No, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, if you need a random response, why not a taco? Sure. 
ponies and unicorns and stuff are kind of outdated, yeah. so tacos. Looks like the live long and prosper emoji is back, too. That's always good. Hey, cool. Now when my friends are finally on 9.1, I'll tell them to uh, live long and prosper, and here's a middle finger, too. Yeah. <laughs> I do think we'll see better uptake of iOS 9 than we did with iOS 8 for a number of reasons. You know, the smaller download size. Yes. You know, as long as there's, like, no major missing feature or anything like that, I I don't to hold people back. Uh, I, I don't know why you wouldn't upgrade. Download, that smaller download size is so they can justify selling a 16-gig phone still. In part. Well, in the margins. Yeah. But they can't justify it by the margins themselves. Well, that's what they're doing right now. What do you mean they can't justify it by the <laughs> margins themselves? Well, not to the public anyway. They can justify it to Internally, themselves. yeah. Sure. Well, you have to have three options. I mean, it's the, the psychology of... You know, when you give options, it's best to have three options. So you give them the crappy one that that they won't likely want. Then you'll give them the really expensive one. And most people will buy the one in the middle. It's just the psychology of it. And it but works. But the problem is, everyone knows that it's the crappy option. Or most people do. Most technological people do. And so they're like, oh, that's that's really annoying. And then they get the 64 gig. Because 32 gig would probably just be the sweet spot. But then the the normal people get get really angry when they get a 16 gig phone because they just wanted the cheapest phone and they start running all kinds of problems like they can't take photos anymore or they're they keep getting these messages while well, i'm out of space why am i out of space oh you have to pay apple to use you know icloud photo yeah oh i don't want to pay them a monthly fee yeah and the new living photos they're roughly the twice the size yeah of a now is that regular twice photo. the size of a regular twelve megapixel? Yes. Okay. That's so it, so it's even bigger than what they would have had on their previous yep. phone. <laughs> and then you've yes. got four K video. I wonder I, how long it would take to fill up an iPhone with four K video. It can't be that long. I saw a post about this. I think it can hold twenty minutes of. 4K video, <laughs> a 16 gig kid, and that's oh, assuming that all of the space is available, so probably even less. Yeah, because you know the OS is going to take a good yeah. two or three, at least two gigabytes. Yeah, that's that's going to cause a lot of complaints. I took a five minute 4K video of my kid's birthday party, and now I don't have any space on my phone. Phone's locked up. <laughs> Alright, here we go. So a minute of video with 4K is 375 megabytes. Wow. So, yeah. So that's yeah. 11 gigs at 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that'll add up quick. Even the default is 1080p 30 frames per second video, which is 130 megabytes. And that'll fill stuff up quick, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see you said 60 frames per second was 375? 375 megabytes was 4K. I, I'm not okay. sure the frames per second. I'm guessing they may only do 30 frames per second. Mm. Do they? Do you know if they support slow mo in the 6s phone with a 4K video? I don't believe they have 4K slow mo. I there's it's listed like on the spec sheet, but they they have more options for for slow mo at 1080p. I don't think. I don't even know if the 6 does 1080p slow-mo. It may only do 720p. I'm not sure. Mm. 
You have to look at the specs. Okay. (laughs) Well, bottom line is tell your friends that if they get a 16 gigabyte phone, not to take 4K video. Or if they like to take video, push them to the 64 gig. At least. Or just try to push them towards that anyways. Yeah. Because we want to put our apps on there. and Have lots of them, right? Yep. So have you guys had a chance to play around with the Apple TV, tvOS? I've looked through the documentation. I went ran through the sample, I guess you'd call it a catalog thing, that had all of the different controls, built-in controls. And yeah, I mean, it looks a lot like regular iOS programming, aside from you don't have any touches anywhere. So you're you're flipping through with a remote. It took me a little bit to figure out how to do it on the keyboard. Yeah. But so now you're you're handling focus on the view. Yeah, there's all these UI focus classes. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's it's cool. Did you guys enter into the hardware lottery? Oh yeah. Yeah. I better get yeah. better get a TV or two. I mean, mm-hmm. I only entered once. Yeah, it was <laughs> just one chance per team. Now, if you happen to be on multiple teams, I suppose you could enter more than once. Was it one chance per team? I didn't see yeah. anything yes. about yeah. that. Okay. One chance per team. Yeah, we verified that. Okay. And I I was shocked about this. You know, they said they would charge you a dollar, and they only said that that was for, like, to verify a shipping address and stuff. That's and it? I was, and I was thinking... Oh, they're going to charge a dollar real quick up front and then charge me the 150 or whatever it is after. But no, you're right. It's a dollar, period. Now I'm thinking I want my $348 back from my Apple Watch purchase (laughs) that I got in their lottery. (laughs) Well, this is the first time they've done it. I mean, they were were supposed to give it to us a long time ago and we don't have it now. So, yeah, we talked about a little bit last time, too. Yeah, by the time this airs and gets down into your phones, we'll have already commiserated probably about us not winning the lottery thing. But Yeah, although it does appear that if you have apps in the App Store, um, your chances to get one are higher. I'm not sure if apps with more downloads help or not, so... Yeah, I, I did it with my own developer account that I've got an app in there with, and I also used my work one so that we could certainly get an apple tv app out <laughs> right yeah 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 i'm sure i'll i'm sure i'll be they'll be the first people to tell when i win <laughs> but there's a there's another link i i saw that was basically the api diff from the ios 9 gm to the tvos sdk that basically shows you all the stuff that's added and all the stuff that's not there all the frameworks and stuff which i thought was kind of interesting uh one of the the big ones at least for that annoyed me is there's no webkit at all hmm not even a safari view controller nope wow well there's no there's no safari anything so if you i mean a lot of times that just happens to get used for like even a small little bit of your app for for some quick and easy display of something non-important maybe uh, right, like right. terms of service or whatever. Yeah. FAQs or... Yeah. And there's some apps that are, like, use it very heavily, I'm guessing. Like, I know, maybe this is before Cortex was really good, but there's, like, RSS readers and stuff that 
that use it heavily, but maybe an RSS reader on a TV is not that cool of a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got some little pieces of our app that are that are WebKit that are kind of non-essential little display pieces. So I think that's kind of annoying. Yeah, and I I think with like the news reader that would fall more into the TV ML kit uh, mm-hmm. category where you're working with the the web content as opposed to a native application. So there's a different path for that. But if you're trying to port a phone gap app over to the Apple TV, that's probably <laughs> not going to happen. I do have a theory on why they did this. And my theory is like uh, all, all of the, the people who, and I, I think maybe even some of the video frameworks are missing too. So I'm wondering if they're trying to eliminate any way to show video that's not using TVML so that people are forced to have uh, local search or to have the search so that there'll be universal search on the TV. Now this is just a, I'll call it like a crackpot theory. And well, there may be th- other, there may be things that I'm missing that invalidate AV Foundation this. is there, right? Is AV Foundation there? Yeah, I thought so. Maybe it is. Uh, maybe I'm completely wrong. Oh, MP Movie Player might not be there, but that's because it's deprecated. Yeah. But it's easy enough to play a movie. Yeah. It's just a little okay. extra. Bummer. But the there goes thing... that theory. <laughs> Man. And the, the one thing I didn't quite figure out is that, at least with the TVML stuff, it says that all of your videos have to play through um, the HTTP streaming protocol. Yeah. And that's true on iOS as well. Like, you know, the, the one, um, the real-time streaming protocol that over HTTP, HTTP that the I RTSP heard. stuff or whatever. I think that's what it's called. Something like that. Yeah. And I, I still think that it's some kind of like a handoff thing. Like here, TVML, go play this. You know, from TVML, you say here, play this video, and it's coming from an RTMP server. Well, and I'm sure that also like makes sure that it's encoded in the the right format and all that stuff, just by having that requirement to. Uh... They'll use the hardware encoding, so you'll have a good experience. Because I mean, other apps that try to use like uh, like their own custom MPEG encoder are kind of crappy and and stuff. Like I use Plex on my iPhone, and it has its own encoder built in if it needs to transcode from a different format and all that stuff. And it can be slow, and it can be you know lots of stuttering and stuff like that so i'm guessing they just want to ensure that you have a good experience by only supporting that type of video yeah, the apple live http live streaming yeah uh, the live streaming yeah what it's called. that supports variable bitrate as well so it can mm-hmm. it can depending on bandwidth availability and and how long it takes to kind of buffer things up you know the the quality can get better or worse depending on what you can support there's definitely advantages to that format. So yeah, it has a lot of capability with the idea that, so there is, there's a few limitations and that's one of the things we were alluding to earlier. So you got a couple limitations, limitations with regards to Apple TV app programming. Uh, first one, your app size can only be 200 megabytes for games. I can see that's a problem but they really want you to take advantage of the app thinning technology. I don't know. You guys think this is going to be an issue? Maybe for people that live in areas where they don't quite have great bandwidth or you know, there's congestion on the network. All the kids are coming home at 
3 p.m. trying to play Minecraft on their Apple TVs and they're going to have to download a bunch of stuff. I don't know. iOS is, there's lots of things that are kind of a crappy experience when you don't have a good internet connection. And I think it's gotten a lot worse, maybe because people and even Apple wants to assume that you have a decent network connection. It seems to be just the way things are going. And I mean, if uh, this is a box that's main purpose is to, you know, stream video, it seems like a reasonable requirement to me. But yeah, it certainly could like cut some people out of it being useful for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I could stream video if I'm doing nothing else but streaming video. You can stream a fairly decent bitrate video with a, um, say, a two gigabyte, two gig not two gig, two megabit connection. If you're not doing anything else, if you start, you know, surfing the web or downloading other things, yeah, your video is going to stutter. But that two megabits is, if you're downloading the next Angry Birds level, might be a little small. And I'm sure people in, in the U.S. when you have things that uh, standards that say that you you have high speed internet and it's less than two gigabit two megabits <laughs> that's might be a little rough for some of these people but the other one that the other limitation that struck me as odd there's no local storage now you can cache things locally but you can't rely on them being there in the future so i find that strange because these things are these devices are what 16 gigabytes for the small one is that is that right? Yep, that sounds right. 16 and 32. Yeah. So I, I guess Apple is wanting to keep most of that for themselves or caching. You know, if I down if I purchase a iTunes movie and download it, then that 2 gigabyte or that 16 gigabytes is going to be eaten away pretty quick by those movies. So I don't know. We'll see we'll see what kind of commitment towards an actual app platform it's actually 32 and 64. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so that's strange because that's even stranger because there's 32 gigs. Can can we all just share? Can I have 100 megs of local storage or something? Yeah, I haven't looked I haven't looked into this specifically that much. Is there even no like NFCs or defaults or anything like that that's persistent? Uh, do you have to do... use like a ubiquitous key value store or something like that? It does say that if you want user-level storage, you need to use something like iCloud hmm. or CloudKit. CloudKit or third-party syncing. They don't necessarily lock you into their technology. but Yeah, I imagine you could get away with Parse or, or your own backend. It's fine. So I find it, I find it that's some interesting choice. And what's also kind of interesting about that is who's a... You know, if it's a family TV, whose account are you eating up with storage of the game levels and everything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going mean, to be hitting somebody's account. It's not like there's a family plan for iCloud. Well, I think the thought for the game levels would be that you would have... Uh, All right, not 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 the game the, levels, but the game state. But yeah, like the, game the on-demand and stuff, on-demand stuff, yeah. Save data. Yeah, so that would be... Save data is different. I mean, save data is a lot smaller than, like, resources required for an individual game level. Sure. So, I mean... It should be minimal. Yeah, that should be minimal, but, like... Yeah, it it 
requires some some changes in architecture for sure if you're making anything that requires lots of resources and it's going to be weird because maybe your kid will be playing a game and you've got that app on your phone and since it's under your account you're going to be getting like his statistics on there on your phone potentially yeah and they've got the new i forget what they called it but the the feature where you can record the game and share it Oh. That's got to go somewhere too, assuming that's supported on Apple TV. Actually, I don't think Replay Kit is. Okay. That's one of the things that was left off. Okay. So that, there's that. That would make sense. <laughs> I don't know. That would be great to to store into like some kind of iCloud or you know Apple TV media library, and you just invite your friends over and say, "Look, look what I did here." Oh, and now you post it to uh, YouTube, so yeah, you, on, so you can get paid to oh, play yeah. video games. <laughs> Who goes to friends' houses anymore, right? <laughs> it's all on FaceTime. My kids are, they get on FaceTime while they play games with their friends <laughs> and mm. eat up all the, the bandwidth. Oh, and the whole neighborhood's feeling it, too, because they're all doing it, too. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, we should say quite a few classic games, popular games, ported to the Apple TV fairly quickly. And there will probably be some re-architecture, some, some work needed to make it work smoothly. I'm not sure what other category of apps we're going to see on the Apple TV that are going to make a lot of sense. What do you guys think about, say, those home shopping apps? So they showed the guilt one. I mean, I think the scenarios were maybe a little bit stretched. Yeah. But if you're, you know, a lot of houses have lots of TVs and they have them even in their kitchen. And why not potentially have an Apple TV in the kitchen where you could do things? I don't know. I don't think it's that far-fetched necessarily. I could see myself buying stuff from there. I, I find myself actually, like, if we're shopping for something, I'll sit down on my couch and my wife will sit down and I'll, like, AirPlay and iPad or my iPhone screen showing stuff on Amazon to, like, search through. Hmm. I do that all the time, actually. So I'll definitely hmm. have Amazon's app on there. Well, I'm sure they'll have one. But yeah, I, it's 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 good for like researching like stuff with multiple people. Okay, I know it sounds crazy, but <laughs> and you might but... see scenarios in the office, the workplace, where you're collaborating or planning together and want to use the TV. Yeah, I mean that would be a good scenario. Some kind of Google Doc type of integration. Yeah, I've got a feeling Panic has status board ready to go for Apple TV. Yeah. <laughs> I can definitely see that. Seems like a no-brainer. One of the things I've been a bit disappointed with is that the the sample apps, they don't really give you good guidance. I don't know if there's much more in the in the HIGs, the HIG for it. There's some guidance there. I you know, one of the interesting things that I picked out of at of the HIG is that it actually tells you not to put a back button in the UI. <laughs> that that's what the menu button's for. People know that, so don't don't put a back button. Ah, we're back to Android. <laughs> <laughs> Apple's got a real back button now. Yeah. Physical. And one of the big things they push is the the parallax view uh, for the app icon and and for various views to give indication of motion and and focus. What's interesting is they they added that 
support to the UI view directly. So theoretically, we could be seeing that parallax image support on the phone as well in 9.1. I don't know, because it's, it's definitely not a it's definitely not a one-to-one port of UIKit. It, it is a branch. It's a fork of iPhone UIKit. Yeah, those crazy images look like they're a pain in the butt yeah. <laughs> to me, honestly. It, it yeah. requires like a bunch of different layers, and you have to use like special tools to export it as something that's readable by a UI image. And I've, I hope that doesn't go everywhere. I've lost count of the number of app icons we need now, too. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps going up. And the, yeah. the watch mm-hmm. one's round. And yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's a small one, too. But I don't know. Is this one square? This one might be square. It's rectangle. It's, or isn't it rounded It's multi-layered, yeah. yeah. But it's it's not a it's not a square. It's definitely a rect. Hmm. Just like the current Apple TV icons, like a sixteen by yeah. nine yeah. rectangle. I don't know when those things were kind of wiggling around in that demo. It wasn't. I guess it wasn't making me physically ill, but I was just like, oh, it's just kind of weird. Well, it's, and I think you made the comment earlier. It's kind of like the the motion background that they added to the iPhone, I think, in iOS 7. I think you're right. There was um, the 5S could support it because it had the motion coprocessor. So, yeah, that'd be 7. But we didn't really see a whole lot done with that outside of the, the background screen. This potentially could... If they do add support for that in 9.1, we can see similar effects in our iOS apps. I don't know if that's a good snuck, thing, though. I snuck the that um, background, that movable background stuff into the, our app at work. And probably about six months later, the product owner noticed it and was kind of mad and told me to take it out. And it was very subtle. It wasn't big. It was just there for a little effect. But, uh yeah, he wasn't crazy about it. So I don't know. I, the motion stuff really hasn't taken off on iOS. And really, have you guys done much with UIKit Dynamics at all? Not That's too many of, of the apps that I've worked on have a strong need for UIKit Dynamics. I mean, we we had a branch for that motion effect in our in our app at during DubDub, and it's not advanced since dub dub it's not been merged <laughs> in it was done the feature was done but we were like eh. so yeah. yeah it's it's there and even i think probably one of the only apps that uses the ui kit dynamics anymore is messages you know you still got the the little bubbles that the text bubbles that kind of follow your scroll slowly so the, it's it's a gimmick it's more gimmicky than functional i guess it's difficult to find use cases where it actually adds feedback rather than just distracting for the user mm-hmm. and there's definitely use cases i mean i saw one post are you the the whole parallax motion effect gave you an indication on the apple tv of whether or not you were on um, kind of scrolling to the right or to the left of the image that was being af- the the content that was being affected, so it gave you a sense of position. But okay, that may be a little yeah. far fetched. Yeah, to me it just seemed like a we don't want to 
put a glowing rectangle around everything. So here, we're going to make you guys make these wiggly icons. Yeah. Well, I do think that parallax is just a UI trend that will likely get old fairly soon. Like reflections? Yeah, it's it's trendy. And in fact, is I feel like trendy? I feel like we're on the the other side of that trend now. So yeah. I think it's on its way out. <laughs> so I think it's an odd time for Apple to be adding parallax effects in to the the SDK. Well, they've been working on this for a long time, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's quite possible they put that in like three years ago, and it's just been sitting on the shelf waiting to be demoed. And what Apple's got? How many OSs they support now? TV OS iOS, watchOS, watchOS, and macOS. macOS. So four of them. That's quite a few OSs. Yep. <laughs> Even though a lot of them have similarities and roots, at least in iOS, that's still that's still a good number of things to split your resources against. Yeah, and same goes for developers in this ecosystem as well. We now have four, you know, just staying in the Apple ecosystem, we have potentially four different OSs that we're targeting for our applications. Right. You know, I don't think the average user is going to be expecting every app to be ported to the Apple TV, but, you know, it's, it's a lot for any developer that have to manage at any time, even for a single app. And for those of us who have multiple apps, it kind of adds to the complexity. And it definitely adds to test cycles. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least WatchKit is a fairly simple OS, you know, yeah. API. Well, I think that's about all the time we have left. So why don't you guys uh, tell me where I can find you on Twitter? I'm at AJ Robinson. I'm at Alex Argo. And I'm at Sam Porter. The podcast is at Shared Inst. And you can also email us at sharedinstancepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we are happy whenever you guys leave us ratings or reviews on iTunes. It uh, helps people find our podcast better and there's our audience. And also, the show notes for this will be at sharedinstance.com slash 29. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. I won't say anything else. <laughs> no happy coding for you? Nope.